If you've ever thought of quilting your own projects but just don't know where to start, I have the perfect first steps for you. I've put together a PDF guide. I call it Three Steps Toward Freehand Freedom. These are the baby steps, but they can help you move past your overwhelm and show you that yes indeed, freehand quilting can be learned. So if you'd like to snag this PDF, there's a link in the show notes, or if you're an Instagram user, just message me three steps. That's the number three, S-T-E-P-S, and I'll send you that link. Let today be the day you get started. If you watch my videos daily, you'll see they're just a day in the life. You know, pretty much I'm not doing full-blown tutorials on a quilt every single day. That would be impossible. Um, nobody can do that. So I am doing what I'm doing. I'm just sewing the stuff like you would be sewing the stuff and talking about it. And if I get stuck, like, oh, I'm stuck here or like, hey, I need to like clear this off. What is here in this pile? What am I going to do with it? What's my thought process? Um, so I do a lot of that. Welcome to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast where we hear quilters and other crafters' stories and draw encouragement and even life lessons from them. Today's guest will be Pat Sloan. I'm your host, Susan Smith, and I'm coming to you from my quilting studio, Stitched by Susan. This is where my long arm, Lucy, and I spend lots of hours doing freehand, edge-to-edge quilting. And if you're not a quilter and those terms mean nothing to you, it's basically doodling on the surface of a quilt with a 50-pound writing utensil with needle and thread attached at high speed. And if you are a machine quilter, I invite you to tune in to the live and unscripted events that I host on my YouTube channel, also called Stitched by Susan. They're on the first and third Friday of every month, and they are usually one project from start to finish in real time, and they're streamed live, so they're interactive, meaning you can ask questions and get answers about a project while I'm working on it. So I invite you to join me there again the first and third Friday of every month. The quilting community, as I'm sure you already know, is so diverse, so colorful, and supportive. So I invite you to listen in as we meet a new quilter each week and hear their stories. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I don't like shopping. I know that sounds strange coming from a woman, but it's really, really true. I think clothes shopping in particular is such a time consumer and I do not love doing it. So I have fallen into the habit of getting a lot of my clothes from an online company called Stitch Fix. And they provided me a designer. I've had the same one for many, many months. And when you open an account, you get to hone in on your own personal style, your favorite colors, your favorite shapes, and you can provide price parameters or your favorite brands, or even whether or not you want to add accessories or jewelry or sleepwear to your orders. So I have found that to be super easy and super helpful. And as a little side bonus, nobody else in my town is wearing the same clothes. So that's awesome. So if you'd like to give them a try, in the show notes, I've put a link that will give you $25 off your first purchase. So check them out, stitchfix.com. Every maker of quilts has dealt with scraps. They seem to just multiply and we have bins and drawers and sometimes even piles on the floor of scraps of leftover fabric from other projects. What to do with them? 
I have found that what works well for me is to choose a pattern or two that I like and don't mind making over and over again, and then pre-cut my scraps into the appropriate shapes for that. That way they don't add up and it doesn't become a mountain that just seems too large to climb. And whenever I do feel like just sitting and doing some mindless sewing, those pieces are already cut and ready to go. So I've included actually in this episode a free pattern. It is in the show notes and I call it stained glass. And the pieces in this pattern are all the same size. They're a brick shape. And I love that because it's super easy to cut my fabrics into this one particular size and shape that I always remember. And I just keep them stacked in a little bin. And then when I'm ready to sew, they're all ready for me. So check out that free pattern. Again, it's called stained glass and there's a link to it in the show notes. Let's keep those scraps tamed. Pat Sloan wears many hats. She's a designer, an author, and a YouTuber, and she truly has a deep passion for making quilting fun for herself and everyone around her. She has made over 800 quilts. Pat has a vast experience of all aspects of quilt making and design, from patterns and sew-alongs to fabric design and teaching online. Let's welcome her now. Hello, Pat, and welcome to the studio. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to have a chance to visit with you. You're, I hardly knew where to start today. Your accomplishments are so broad and, and over many years, and I hardly knew where to start. But I think the beginning is a good place. Um, have you always been a crafter, seamstress, sewer, quilt maker? Was that in your family, or where did you kind of get started? Ah, Susan, yes. Uh, the start, right? The start of everything. Yes. Um, I, I am a maker. That's the way I like to describe myself. And, and ever since I was a little kid, I always wanted to make things. And I did stuff from beads to drawing to, you know, every craft you can imagine. Um, and I learned to sew in high school. That's where uh, nobody in my family does any of this stuff. I'm the only one. So I always say my mom, my mom wonders where I came from because, you know, I'm the one who wants to make things and uh, not they don't do that. But yeah, I, I've, I started sewing in high school. So that was kind of the fur, the uh, the great big moment when the angels sang, when the, the sewing machine was put in front of me. So <laughs> I was just going to say, was it the sewing that was the thing or petting the fabric or what was it that was so appealing? I think it's fabric. I mean, now that I've been doing it for so long, um, I realize it's really the fabric, but it's also the making because I make clothing badly. And I would still just keep making it because I wanted to work with the textiles and I wanted to produce something. And create, yeah. One of the themes that runs through all the places you are online is that you make quilting fun. And I'm just, you know, let's wax philosophical for a second. Why should quilting be fun? What difference does that make in your life? I think for well, for my own personal life, if if I want to do it this much and this long, I need it to be enjoyable. Um, the one thing from being with so many quilters over all the years and having taught and done all the things online is that most people are doing it as a hobby. Mm-hmm. And most people want to just do, most people seem to want to do something fun. They want their hobby to be fun. They're not into making quilts for a statement or which are also of course amazing pieces but there is a large majority of people that just want to see pretty fabric and make it into a pretty quilt um and so i like to encourage those people which are my people uh to um remind themselves of that and so they don't get caught up 
in the perfectionism or this wasn't quite right or, you know, that green was just a slight shade off, you know, all that makes it not fun anymore. That's a really good point. Letting go of perfectionism can be really tricky. So, you know, I kind of feel that way too. The quilt police stop at the door, like we're not having those. It, it should absolutely be enjoyable and whatever your level of tolerance is, right? That's where right. it should be. Right. It's all right. about right. creating. There are people that it is enjoyable for them to create perfection. Mm -hmm. and, That's true. And so if that is their joy, then go for it. But a lot of people, it becomes sort of a rock on their head, you know, to just try to get to that point when it's really not them. Gotcha. Well, I don't think we'd have time in the day to talk about <laughs> your whole quilting journey, but maybe what are some of the highlights of... Um, categories is that the way I want to say it things that you've done like is it pattern writing or is it travel or is it teaching in person what are some of the things that you have loved so much over the years um, oh yeah it's and I've, I've done just almost everything uh that you can do as a as an independent business like I haven't really worked for manufacturers and stuff like that because you know there's of course reps and things like that I've not done that part of the industry but as a designer you I started out as a pattern maker um, doing work for magazines which has always been wonderful um and that's how you get your name out there then teaching somebody asked me to teach and I'm like what I have to teach it was like I didn't know that was part of this <laughs> it's like I had no clue. It I seems so like clueless. teaching is exactly your size. It seems like something very fitted to you. Um, it, it is interesting. It is nothing I intended to do. And so when I did it, I had to develop the teaching part because that really was not my plan. So that was super interesting. I got to do a lot of cool things, meet people at their environments, uh, which was really nice. Go to big venues, small venues, um, travel trips, uh, you know, overseas and so all of that was super fun. Um, I've run a podcast for American Patchwork and Quilting Magazine. I did that for 10 years. Um, you know, I've done large community groups always. I've always had groups, but, you know, they, they've grown over time and changed places. So I've had to learn how to do that and websites and, you know, all it's just everything. I have books. I have fabric. Um yeah. <laughs> lots and lots of stories in there. I, I can read between those lines <laughs> for sure. What are some of the kind of large changes that have taken place in the industry in the years you've been in it, Pat? I'm a relative newcomer to quilting as an industry. And like, oh. what are some of the big changes you've seen like in how things are presented or I don't even know what I'm asking. What are some big changes you've seen? <laughs> well, what's, what's massive is just the internet. From right. when I started... So I've been in business 22 years now. And when I started, people would yell at me for sending them an email that, that, you know, like emails were barely being used. And if I used one, people were not happy that I was in their email. This was not good. Uh, two, right now, people sign up and ask for my emails. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it is that, that spectrum. But what happened is it took a lot of years for quilters to get online. There were, there were places for quilters to hang out. Like even my, my guild had like a little like internet group when hardly anybody had one and you had to wait your turn to get on the internet, you know, every evening. I mean, it was crazy, but there are, you know, people who are so remote that a huge change has been what the internet has provided for them. Because when you're, um, 
in a remote or uh, place where you live or in a maybe a small town where there aren't very many other people who quilt. The internet has now brought us all into a world community uh, versus just our localized community, uh, which has changed so many things. Um, I don't I know what agree. you started. Did you, did you find like when you started even was the style of quilting in your area, like where you live, like who physically see people, was it a certain style? And then now it's kind of changed. That is actually true. And I hadn't thought of it in that light, but our, our local guild is quite large and it's quite, quite, quite traditional. And just in the last few years now, we have a chapter of the modern quilt guild. And so the flavor is starting to change even at our quilt shows. Yeah. So yes. how, how do you go about sort of educating yourself then, Pat, as you see these new things coming on the horizon, uh, you know, online marketing or, you know, email lists and things like that? Is that kind of an ongoing thing for you? Yeah, it has to be, right, because things change and they ebb and they flow and you can decide to um, embrace something or not. Let's just say an example is TikTok. Uh, TikTok is a fairly new platform. It's video. If, if you're not familiar, real familiar with it, it's video only and it's very short format. Uh, so there are very few quilters on there right now. I expect years from now there will be a lot if it's still there. You know, it depends. They don't all platforms don't all stay. Mm -hmm. If you remember MySpace, that didn't make it forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know, that's the kind of thing where if you see it, then you decide whether you want to do your work on that platform or like for me, I don't because I have uh, my plates full. <laughs> I am and I'm already in enough places to maintain, to maintain. Uh, so that's an interesting thing that I'm in business groups with other designers and other industry people. And so we talk and, you know, you get to hear what, what's going on and decide if you want to explore it. That's, that's a good point is that you can choose which spaces you want to inhabit. Yeah. 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 There are a lot of people who will choose um, like Instagram is big for a lot of designers. That particular space is something that they really enjoy. They enjoy the format of it. Um, and then there's another group of us that love Facebook a bit more. So <laughs> right. that's where I live. You live on Facebook and you also do a lot on YouTube. And it seems like that suits your style again, because you do so much teaching slash coaching and encouraging. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I think a little bit more of encouraging and coaching than <laughs> if you want to use those terms. Yeah. Yeah. I, I um, have been on YouTube since the first year they came up, but I didn't utilize the platform um, as heavily until maybe the last five years and then super heavy since March uh, 2020 <laughs> when COVID was announced. <laughs> so that's when I started. Um, six days a week with YouTube videos. Which is absolutely amazing. And this leads me to one of my huge questions, <laughs> which is how in the world do you organize all the things that you're doing? Like, how do you keep the work flowing? How do you keep track of all the sew-alongs <laughs> and the YouTube episodes and everything? Do you have a personal assistant? <laughs> no, 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 I don't have any personal assistants. <laughs> no, I'm used to running multiple projects. Um, my background is project management. I spent 20 years in um, a computer science background, and I spent 20 years running projects with multiple teams and stuff like that. So I'm used to running multiple things at once and keeping track of them. 
And I like that. I mean, I could never be a single project person. I would just be bored. I wouldn't even know what to do with myself if I only had one project. Uh, so I'm very used to that. My, I mean, if you watch my videos daily, you'll see they're just a day in the life. You know, pretty much mm -hmm. I'm not doing full-blown tutorials on a quilt every single day. That would be impossible. Um, nobody can do that. So I am doing what I'm doing. I'm just sewing the stuff like you would be sewing the stuff and talking about it. And if I get stuck, like, oh, I got stuck here or like, hey, I need to like clear this off. What is here in this pile? What am I going to do with it? What's my thought process? Um, so I do a lot of that. Do you actually record multiple days a week or do you really take advantage of batch recording and produce them in large quantity? Oh, no, no, no. I produce maybe sometimes, mostly I just tape one a day. Okay. I tape the day before. And then occasionally I'll do two in one day. Um, but that's about the most I can do in a day because I do everything from setting everything up, recording, doing the editing of it, sewing, putting everything back. <laughs> so it takes a while to do one, even though they're not in depth. I don't have other people to do stuff. Mm -hmm. So. And I, perhaps if you haven't done that sort of thing, you, you don't appreciate how much goes into it. I do live streaming of my long arm quilting. So I have oh. a good sense for how much time that takes to set up and then do editing and then to upload and all those things. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. It's remarkable. So I know that we're, you, you know, if you see in my studio, I have like a permanent camera on my table. Uh, it doesn't ever get taken down. You know, used Which, to years ago when I didn't do it every day. But yeah. once you go to every day, it's got to stay up. <laughs> yeah, you've got to, You've got to have time savers and shortcuts. Mm -hmm. I noticed that you recently launched some merch that's called the Sloan Zone. Right. <laughs> and I wondered if you had considered a Sloan clone. <laughs> that would be fun, right? I do. I do have like I don't long arm, you know, and I don't quilt most of my quilts there. I send those out to the experts like you. And then um, I also have uh, some friends that will sew with sew for me on some projects like repeat blocks so they can, you know, sort of sew some blocks up for me. Uh, so I do have a little hired help like that. But Good. it's real specific to just sewing blocks pretty much. Mm hmm. Um, you wrote a blog po blog post recently about your 800 quilts and sorting through them. Like, what in the world does 800 quilts look like in a house? <laughs> yeah, it's insane, isn't it? It is. It's insane. I just, I had this need to see them all together because I could because I need to not have that many anymore. And so before I started to, you know, uh, reduce down the the mother load, you know, I needed to see them all together. And it was, it was an insane thing to do. Was it, what was it like to sort of see all your work spanning more than 20 years? Like, did you, could you kind of compartmentalize periods in your life or, you know, your design aesthetic changing? Was that very oh, visible yeah. when you looked at that many? Yeah, it is. It is. It's very visible. There was also a really large period of time where the color palette was um, a certain way, very warm, cozy, a little bit more traditional. Um, and so, uh, you know, they all tended to look like that from the edge when they're stacked up. I was like, oh, my gosh, it's a whole room of brown quilts. Um, but <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> but they, were, they weren't really like that. But definitely things have changed and ebbed and flowed. And, you know, I did a whole lot of applique for a lot, a lot of years. 
Um, and now I just don't do as much of that. Um, I enjoy the piecing and I have a most, a lot of the people who follow me enjoy piecing more. So um, I tend to be in that zone right now. How would you describe your design aesthetic? What's your style? Yeah, I don't, I mean, I used to be able to say it was folk art that because if you, that's what my applique style is. And because it was so strong on applique, whether the fabrics were clear and bright uh, or whether they were warm and cozy, it was still the, my hand, my hand draws in a folk art style. But when I'm doing patchwork and stuff, I would say that I really enjoy things that are um, asymmetrical. So I don't know that that's called a style, but I really enjoy asymmetrical things. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy samplers so that it's not a, a repeat situation. I like the variety. Gotcha. So going back a little bit, you were talking earlier about um, submissions into magazines and that's how you kind of get known and and build a um, credibility is maybe a good Mm -hmm. word. So I'm curious if you would maybe tell some of our listeners who might be interested in that what that process is like can you tell that in a few in a few sentences because sure. that to me was so mysterious until i started doing it and it turns out it's not all that mysterious but right, if you don't right. know you don't know <laughs> you're right um most magazines now because they have online websites <laughs> that they, they didn't have this i'll talk about now now you can go to their online website um and there are digital magazines so don't overlook those there's a lot of digital magazines uh and you can go there and they'll have submission requirements and so you can just, they'll tell you exactly what you do to submit your design. What I always um, like to tell people is that don't just go with one because that gives them nothing to review. Mm. You know, when you go in, go with three, five, they may just pick one, but it gives them something to work with uh, and to review and to look forward because you don't know what's in their pipeline. They are scheduling months and maybe even years uh, out. And so um, your idea might be similar to something else. And so therefore, it's it's a great idea, but they've already got something similar. So that's why I always go in with a couple and just check their websites for the availability. One of the little side benefits that I love in magazine submissions is that you usually can get the fabric for free from manufacturers. So it's a great place to build connections there as well with the folks who print these fabrics. Yes, yes, yes. You can build up your industry um, portfolio by, you know, making industry friends, you know, and that's always a good thing if you're wanting to be in business. Um, And it's a lot of fun to work with the fabrics that are not available yet. They're brand new. They always have a little bit extra they bring in for different purposes before they do the full runs of fabric Mm -hmm. lines. Yes. So what is your overall, what's kind of your favorite part of the design process? Is it that first idea, you know, when you're thinking of the pattern? Is it getting your hands on these bright, lovely new fabrics? Is it the finish? Do you have a favorite? Yeah, there's there's a lot of parts that are fun. Um, You know, if I've got an idea that it's just sort of percolating a little bit, then the really fun part is being able to sort of grab all those little bits that are floating around and sort of lock them down into what a design will be. Um, Because I work a lot with concepts and with themes and things like that. But I really like the fabric part. (laughs) It's like really like the fabric part. So getting the fabric that I'll work with and starting to build the blocks, um, that's really satisfying. Uh, you know, then, then the rest of it is good, but it's really, I'm a starter, you know, 
that's where I get my adrenaline from it all. I think clearly you're a finisher. You have 800 finished quilts (laughs) too. Those are called deadlines and paying the bills. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So I'm curious, I don't know if you've ever played the roses and thorns game, but our pastor used to do this at our weekly meetings. You would, you would talk about the high from the week and the low. So if your high is you love the fabrics and the new designs, what's something that you like much less about the process that you sometimes just have to buckle down and do? Yeah, if I have to right now, like and for quite a few years, is if I have to uh, quilt it myself, you know, because even though I know how to quilt them myself, uh, it's just not the fun part anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, I just don't want to spend my time doing that. I would rather do something else. Um, And so I will quilt the small ones. But if it's a big one, I've not quilted a big quilt myself in in quite a few years. Um, And I'm fine with that. (laughs) I mean, that's that I feel like is a big part of being in business for yourself is finding the things that you do well and doing more of it and finding the things that you don't love or don't do as well and getting someone else to do them. Right. And and you don't always you can't always afford to do it at a certain point in time for your business. But once you can, it frees you up. So the many hours I would spend, you know, on a my domestic machine or on something like a sit down long arm trying to quilt a queen size quilt, you know, I could be doing a lot of other things for the business and the price to have it done is is a really good business expense. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So before we go, I wonder if you would have a little gem or nugget of wisdom for our listeners. It can be about life or about quilting, whatever you like. Oh my goodness. Or many. <laughs> yeah, many, <laughs> yeah, one or two. many, many gems. Um, one of the things that I hope is that um, that if you if you have something you've really wanted to do in quilting, you know, something that's out there that you are like, oh, this is this is my quilt that if I make it, I'm gonna really have hit the epitome. Or even just like I wanna try this technique, but I've been a little nervous. Um, you know, I'm afraid I'm gonna mess it up or whatever. I mean, I really hope that if you have those things, those wishes, that you make them happen for yourself because they're really important. They're very satisfying, they're very they can be life changing depending on really what they are. They could send you off in a whole nother direction with your work if you just sort of step out and and make them happen. So I hope that that you make those quilts of your dream. (laughs) I agree. That can be so empowering to do something that feels like it's out of reach and then you do it. Success. Great. Well, thanks so much for sharing your time with us. We've loved hearing some of your stories, Pat, and all the best with your YouTube episodes and all the things you have going on. Are there some quilt-alongs and things like that coming up that our listeners may be interested in? There are. And if you go to my Sew Along website, I love to make quilts. There's actually a calendar you can download that gives you the month and then a second page that says all the future quilt-alongs. Everything's listed out there. Oh, wow. So there's, wow. So there's that many that we can actually go and pick and choose. I love it. I love it. Again, I wonder how you get this all done in a day. I have no idea. Uh, I work a lot. (laughs) Well, clearly it's very rewarding and I just love your cheerful smile. The fun that is in your quilting comes through in every way. Thank you so much, Susan. I really appreciate it. This has been fantastic. My friends, thank you for tuning into the show. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider leaving a rating and a review wherever you listen to fine podcasts? 
And if you have a friend who you think would enjoy these stories too, please take a moment to send them a link. It would mean the world to me. Plus, I'd love to hear from listeners who'd like to nominate a crafter with a story to tell. If you know such a person, or you are one, email me at info at stitchedbysusan.com. So until next time, may your sorrows be patched and your joys be quilted. <laughs>